Good morning. Ready for the reading of the word. From Genesis 12, verses 1 through 9. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abraham passed through the land to the side of Shechem at the Oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved on to the hill country east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. He built an altar to the Lord there, and he called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram journeyed by stages to the Negev. The word of the Lord. Thanks for reading, Nicole. Um, last Sunday, we began our new fall sermon series on the life of Abraham in the book of Genesis that I'm calling Living by Faith. Abraham, as I mentioned last week, he is one of the most important people in human history. Uh, if you're Jewish, Muslim, Christians, all three of those faiths trace their spiritual lineage back to Abraham. So, you know, three, four billion people. Not only is he one of the most important people in human history, Abraham is one of the most important characters in the Bible. And last week we began talking about why. Why is it? Why is Abraham so significant? Well, I want to explain it this way this morning. If you could picture with me a museum. I don't know if we have museum goers, museum lovers here. I like going to museums. And pretend that you are. Uh, maybe this will be hard for you. You are somebody who likes to go to museums and you actually like to pause and read everything and study everything before you move on. Anyone? Yes, my people. <laughs> yes, we got an amen. Everyone else doesn't like us because we take too long. But just pretend for this morning that you're in the Abraham exhibit. It says Father Abraham there, and you notice something distinct about Abraham's exhibit. As you start at the beginning, and it would say, okay, we're beginning here. We're learning um, about how it all started with Abraham here in chapter 12. It's about living by faith. You're like, okay, I got it. And then you go to the middle of the exhibit and you go, what's the middle of Abraham's story about? What is here in this exhibit? Living by faith. Okay, okay, okay. He needed to keep getting it. What's here at the end of the exhibit when it comes to Abraham? And it would say, living by faith. 
And as you go to the very end and say, right before he died, surely there was a new and different lesson, something different that we want to put on display about Abraham. And what would it say? Living by faith. <laughs> From chapter 12, which we just read, all the way to Abraham's death in chapter 25, all the parts of Abraham's story, they would have the same heading. They would have the same core lesson, living by faith. Faith. This is what the books of Hebrews and Galatians and Romans and James, anytime that the Bible talks about Abraham, it's always talking about his faith. It doesn't mean that it's all going to be the same, <laughs> that we're just going to go through repeat, repeat, repeat. But that Abraham's story means, and we'll see, that he's, he's learning the same lesson, but it's getting deeper, it's getting stronger. And it's maturing. So we could say this about Abraham and his story in the book of Genesis. This is about Abraham being in the school of faith. This is his education in faith. Studying his story then. Learning from his story means going to school with Abraham. And I know school just started for teachers and students here. Many of you have just started. And on the first day of class, if you're like, okay, ready, first day of class. What does the teacher usually start with? Biology and calculus, literature, grammar, whatever, Spanish, whatever it is. Where does the teacher start? Usually they say, what are we studying here, class? Okay, what is biology? It's the study of life. That's where we start. What is grammar? It's how language works. What is calculus? I have no idea what calculus is. <laughs> I don't know. Somebody else here does. Our passage this morning, Genesis 12, 1 through 9, is Abraham's first lesson in school. This is a monumental text. There's so much here. But where I would like to focus us today is on what it teaches us about what faith is. What is it? Faith is a common word that we use. Usually we use it in a positive sense, really no matter you know, what our belief system or background is. We use it in spiritual contexts a lot. Have faith. Just believe. you got to have a little faith. What do we mean by faith when we say these things? And what does the Bible mean when it uses the word faith? What are we studying here? What is faith? It says in the Bible, without faith, it's impossible to please God. That we are saved by faith. That we are justified by faith, that we're called to live by faith and not by sight, but do we have a crystal clear idea of what faith is, as important as it is? There are some great definitions of faith and the reflection quotes. You could look at that at the beginning of the bulletin. Giving a definition of faith is helpful. But what we have here in Genesis 12 and throughout the story of Abraham is even more helpful. It's not just a definition from a dictionary. This is a living example and model of what faith is in action. So let's look at that together. I know the outline points are not printed in the bulletin. I'd like to look at four things when it comes to what faith is. Where does it come from? What are its qualities? How do we get it and grow in it? And lastly, what does it look like? Where does it come from, the source? 
What are its qualities? How do we get it, grow in it, and what does it look like? First, where does it come from? This passage tells us where faith comes from. And this is vital for us in understanding what the Bible means when it talks about faith. When we speak of living by faith. Because the way that we often talk about faith, when we say things like, have a little faith. Where is your faith? Just believe. It gives a strong impression when we use language like that, that the source of faith, where it comes from, is somewhere within us, right? Have faith. Uh, where am I going to get it? it just, just believe. Okay, where do I get that? It's somewhere down inside us. Just reach down in there and get some faith. But that's not at all what we see here. Last week, we talked about Abraham's background. Abraham did not have faith in God. He didn't come from a family that had faith in the God of the Bible. His family likely worshipped the moon god, one of the gods at the time. And though maybe they had some memory, maybe some distant memory of the God of the Bible, the creator, there's no clear signs of faith in his story where he comes from. He had nothing to reach down in and get when it came to faith. Before we get to this verse 12, verse 1 in the book of Genesis, we are in a very dark and bleak picture when it comes to humanity and God. There is no sign of any faith at work in the human race. So where did Abraham's faith come from? Verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, go. That's where it, came, it comes from. The call of God. The source of genuine faith, according to the Bible, is the call of God. The word of God. Genesis 12.1 is meant to make us think, when we, see, when we read those words, this dark picture that we're entering into, where is faith? Where is God? We're meant to, when we read this verse, ask ourselves and think, where have I heard this before? Where did God speak into a darkness and a void, into chaos where there was nothing to bring about something new, to bring about life? All the way back at the very beginning of Genesis, Genesis 1-3, then God said, let there be light. And where there was no light, there was light. Genesis 12-1, the Lord said, go. And Abram went. Hebrews 11.8 tells us what was going on here. It says, by faith. It was faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place that he was going. By faith. We don't know. Did God say this in a voice? Did God say this in a vision? We do know that Abram heard the call, he heard the word, and that's where his faith came from. It was his response to the word. He didn't bring it out of something he already had. He heard the word and he responded. What does this mean, though? Well, it means a number of things. Very important. It means faith is not a result of an internal search where we look deep within us and try to figure out if we have it. We don't work it up. We don't generate it ourselves or create faith 
on our own. It's not the product of like a cold, rational examination and study of things where we use our minds as if we can get it out of our minds. Faith doesn't come just from being around it in other people. The source of faith is a powerful and personal call of God in His Word. It doesn't come from us. This is very practical as we think about questions like this. Why can't I have more faith? Why don't I have more faith, more trust to do what Abraham did? Why can't I believe? Why do I have these doubts? I want to believe. I want more of it. I want to strengthen my faith. Where do I get it? Romans 10, you can go to that slide, tells us very succinctly, Where does faith come from? Faith comes from hearing. And hearing through the word of or about Christ. Faith comes from where? Where is its source? Hearing. Hearing what? Hearing the powerful and personal call of God in the gospel to us. We might think if God spoke to me, however he spoke to Abraham, if he appeared in a vision to me, if he uh, somehow broke the clouds open and I heard his voice, then I would have faith. What Romans is saying, written many, many years later, is what we have is even better. The promise that Abraham was given, the word that Abraham heard was fulfilled in Jesus in the message about Christ. Maybe this illustration will be helpful. If I had a, I was going to bring it up here, but like an empty cup and said to, to you, could you come up here and give me some water? I'm thirsty. I need some water. And you hold the cup and you stand there and you think of water filling the cup. And you imagine that water is going to fill the cup. Or you stand there and you're like, you know, squeezing all your muscles and saying, water come, water fill. And we know nothing would happen. We'd say, Go to the source to fill up the cup. It's empty on its own. You need to fill it at the source. That's how faith works according to the Bible. Don't look within for faith. Don't expect faith if there is no hearing and listening and receiving of the word of the message of Christ at the source. And it means this if you feel like you are emptied, that you have nothing in yourself when it comes to faith, when it comes to trust. And this is very comforting. To have an empty cup is a good thing. You take it to the source to be filled. That's where faith comes from. Powerful word of God. Well, what are the qualities of faith? How do we know faith is really faith? That it's real and genuine. We often heard it said about somebody, that person, he or she is a person of faith. His faith is important to him. When it comes to ourselves and our faith, how do we know our faith is really faith, genuine faith? What are its qualities when you want to know if something is really gold? They have all these tests that you can do to figure out, is this really gold? And what those tests are designed to do is to tease out the qualities. Is it 99% gold? If so, it's 24 karat. You want to know what the qualities of the substance is, to know if it is genuine. What is faith made up of? 
There are two parts to Abram's initial act of faith, his response to the call of God here. Both are essential qualities of having faith and living by faith and being a Christian and growing as a Christian. Two qualities, going from and going to. Go from and go to. Abram is told, go from. Your land, your relatives, and your father's house. Okay. We need to understand what this meant for Abram. In our modern world, we hear that and we go, Abram's just growing up. You know, he's like coming of age and he's leaving his family's house. And some of you might say, that was the best decision I ever made. Or you're 18 years old and you're like, I can't wait to leave my father's and mother's house and move away and be on my own. Well, it wasn't like that back then. Abram left everything that provided him with a sense of comfort and security. God said to Abram, leave behind all you rely on, all that you trust in for comfort and security. Faith in me, God was saying, means faith in me alone for those things. And we say, that's a lot. From a man of no faith to God calling him and saying, go from. Faith in you alone? (laughs) Maybe that was just Abram because he was such an important figure in the Bible. Well, we just read together in our renewal and call to confession, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with 50% of your heart. Trust in the Lord with 75% of your heart. Now, Proverbs says, wisdom, the way life is designed to work, is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Another way of saying Faith in God alone. Go out from all other faith. Faith. Go out from all other trust. And you say, maybe that's Abram. Okay, maybe that's Proverbs. That's like an Old Testament thing. Well, in the book of Mark, the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Jesus' original disciples, their nets, that is what they relied on and trusted in for their comfort and security and identity. And Jesus said, follow me, go out, go from, it's faith in me alone. John Newton, this is in the reflection quote, said, this is faith, the first part of faith, a renouncing of everything we are apt to call our own. Abraham teaches us here that faith always has a going from. It's not an actual physical leaving or moving. It can be that. This is telling us there is a leaving behind of trust, a turning of trust from what we look to for comfort and security and approval and significance and a turning to trust in God alone. We call it repentance. Repentance and faith are like two sides of the same coin. And God was saying here, me alone, Abraham. That's hard. (laughs) Going from is hard. Maybe the going to will be easier. Go from. He says, go to the land I will show you. And that's it. And you say, 
Could I have a little more information? God, if I am going to go from all of this and go to somewhere else, could I have a timeline of when things will happen? Could I, like a PowerPoint of the plan so I can know what's going to happen? God says, no, I will show you. The second part of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 says, He went out, Abram, even though he did not know where he was going. And we go, why does it have to be like that? So unknown. Why does God do this? God, it would be easier to trust you alone if you could please give me a little more information, some guarantees of what will happen and what won't happen. And God says, no. I will show you. Why? If God had told Abraham what it would be like ahead of time, how he would have his faith tested, the different trials and suffering he would face, the the challenges, the timeline. Abraham, this is going to take like 25 plus years. Kings are going to try to take your wife. We're going to study all this. Twice. You're going to go to war. You're going to see my judgment. You're going to fail. You're going to wander. If he would have said, I'm going to show you all that, would Abraham have went? No. That's too much. I can't handle that if I'm going to face all that and go through all that. And I'm going to fail like that. No way. I'll stay. But it was in the going, through all of these things that he learned to trust in God alone. Abraham didn't have the faith to understand all of that at once. If I showed it to you now, Abraham, it wouldn't make any sense to you with where you're at. You would never go. Trust me now with this. See how I am faithful then. You'll have faith to trust me for what's next. Martin Luther King said, we have that quote, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. To be a Christian is to say this. Like Abraham said, wherever you say go from, I will leave behind. And wherever you say go to, I will take that step. That is what it means to be a Christian. And that is what it means to grow as a Christian. That is faith. That is hard. How do I get that kind of faith to go from and go to, not knowing where it all is going to lead? How do I get that kind of faith in God alone? It's only possible when we understand something about faith that is very important and that is brought out here in this text, foundational text on faith, and that is this. And it's obscured by the way that we often think about and talk about faith. Faith always has an object. Faith is not a spiritual force just floating around that we like tap into and get, I got it. It's not a power that we can have or summon up when we need it. Faith is not an ability we have or either have or don't have. That's not how faith works at all. All faith, by definition, has an object. We must understand this to understand biblical faith so that the amount of faith the depth of your faith, 
the strength of your faith is totally dependent on the object of your faith. I'm going to use an illustration that's used many, many times. You may have heard it before. If there is a chair, there's no chair up here. If there was a chair sitting here, and it was rickety and old, and you were worried about it, like, was anybody sitting in that chair? They will fall and get hurt. And if I said, I'm going to show you a miracle of faith, because my faith is so strong and so deep and unshakable in this old rickety chair, I'm going to sit on it, and it will hold me up because of the strength of my faith. Everyone would say, that is ridiculous. <laughs> it is not going to work well, and you are going to get hurt because of the object. It is the object of faith that determines the depth and the strength and the amount of my, my faith. How did Abram go from and go to and leave it all, all his security, all he trusted in into the unknown? Look at Verses 2 and 3, the answer is here. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God didn't say to Abram, just go from and go to. And that's it. This was not blind faith. He gave Abraham an object. He gave something for his faith to rest on. He gave out of a gift of sheer grace, out of nowhere, the sevenfold promise. There's seven promises here, seven I wills. Seven in the Bible is the number of completion and perfection. This here is the perfect and complete and whole promise of a name, of approval and significance, of an identity of security. I will do this for you, Abraham. I will make you a great nation of blessing. Blessing here means empowerment to live as God designed and created the restoration of the blessing lost in the garden and purpose. Everything is here. This is how Abraham did what he did. His faith rested on this perfect and complete and crazy promise. And I came across something this week that I want to share in just a moment with you that, that is one of those moments where I said, this is it. This describes what's happening here. This is what we need to know about faith. And we can put that quote up. It's from one of the commentaries I read this week from R.R. Reno, who wrote, the power of the false promise cannot be diffused by cool reason I think we could add, or strong emotion. It must be overcome by a counter-promise, a different claim about the future, a different covenant. This is it. Faith is not a force we use to obey or succeed or to have a positive attitude. Faith always has an object, and that object is always making us a promise. It's always making us a promise. It's always wanting to make a covenant, a promised future with us. Trust me and I will give you this. The object of our faith can be our ability, our wisdom, our understanding, our strength. The object of our faith can be what another person 
might give to us, a certain relationship, a certain accomplishment. The object of our faith can be a narrative of life that says, live this, do these steps, and you will have the future that you desire. You will have satisfaction, you will have security, you will have comfort, you will have a name, you will have identity. It's making us a promise. Do this. Trust me, and I'll give you this. This is the, the dynamic and the power of what the Bible calls sin. Anything that draws us away from God and relationship with Him and trusting in Him alone, it is the false promise. And it's only overcome by a counter-promise, a better promise, and this is it. Whatever you think you can get by what your faith is in now, Abram, I alone can give to you. The object of Abram's faith became a better promise. That's how he could go from and go to. But there's more to it. A promise is inseparable from the promiser. If you know someone in your life and they've lied to you in the past, they haven't been honest with you and they keep saying, I promise, I will, I will, I will. Well, if they've lied to you, if they've betrayed you, it doesn't matter how many times they say they will do such and such a thing. It doesn't assure you. It's not something you should believe or base any decision on. They could say it seven times, a hundred times. To trust them would be foolish. The content of the promise won't increase or decrease your faith. It's who is making the promise. And here the object of faith is the promise. But the promise is tied to the promiser. The only way you can trust a promise enough to give anything up and to go is if the promiser is trustworthy. And so we say, if God would speak to me and appear to me and make a promise like this one here, identity, significance, comfort, approval, purpose, everything wrapped up here. If he would do that for me, I would do whatever he said. I'd go out from anything and go to anything he said. My friends, God has done this in Jesus Christ. The Bible says all the promises of God are yes in Him. In the book of Galatians, when Paul is speaking about Abram's story, he says the Scripture proclaimed the gospel ahead of time to Abram saying all nations will be blessed through you. So, and listen to this, those who have faith in Jesus are blessed with Abram, the man of faith, if you belong to Christ. You are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. By faith in Christ, the perfect promise is yours. And friends, far more than Abram. We have far more reasons than Abraham did to trust in the promiser. He has come to us, the word made flesh. The word has come to us. Abram just heard the word. We don't even know how. The word has come in Jesus. He's lived the perfect life of faith for us. He's taken all the curse. He became a curse for us. Why? So that we could receive the promise, the blessing. He rose again in history as the first fruits, as the preview and the guarantee that all these promises will come true. We have the promise of forgiveness, of grace that abounds over all our sin 
the never-ending love of the Father, the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit, the approval and the significance of the Father and purpose beyond all that we could imagine now and in the new creation. There's no better promise. The object of our faith is Christ alone. The one who has done all these things for us. The promiser and the fulfiller. The one who went from heaven. Who go from, he went from heaven to us. In order to guarantee this promise to us. He is the object of our faith. And when he is, we can go from whatever he says and go to wherever he tells us. Sometimes we say, I just don't have faith. (laughs) The Bible says, of course you do. We all have faith and trust in something for our future, for comfort, for security, for satisfaction, for life, for purpose, that things will turn out okay. This passage challenges us to ask, I do have faith. I'm trusting in some promise. What is it? What is the object? You say, I don't have enough faith. And friends, Abram felt that a lot. We feel that a lot. I feel that a lot. The text tells us. Don't look at the amount of your faith. Don't try to work it up. The source is not in you. The source is in the promise. And the promiser who is the fulfiller, Jesus Christ. I'm going to save my final point for another, another time and wrap up right now. Let's go to him, the object of our faith, Jesus, and let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage and I pray for us if we feel like our, our, our cup is empty. We need stronger faith. We need to go out from something and go to something you're calling us to. I pray right now you would use your word, your powerful, personal word to draw our hearts, the eyes of our hearts again to the object of our faith, your son, Jesus Christ. That all that he has promised, this incredible purpose, that he has wanted for us, he has fulfilled it, for us and he is bringing it to completion turn our eyes to him now I ask for all of us and we pray in his powerful name Amen